Evening, church. I'd like to mention just quickly uh, before we get into our lesson that uh, they're very thankful that um, there's a, a new website uh, for the congregation, and you can uh, get to that at anccoc.org. Uh, and uh, there's an old website, and there's a new one. So please go and take a look at the new website. And there are some things they're still working on, but for the most part, it is uh, it is finished. It looks wonderful. Uh, we're thankful to uh, all those who, who helped with that, to uh, help Tommy to uh, get that done and encourage him, etc. He did a wonderful job. I'm not sure everyone who's behind the scenes, so I'm not going to begin with that one. But I will say at least that I know Jay Lee helped in some way. But I'm just thankful that the website is up. Again, it's very nice. Um, and it's more contemporary. So uh, please, if you are, uh, if you have a little bit of time, go and visit the website and know that it's still just a little, just a few things still in progress. But for the most part, it's uh, it's finished. So uh, thank you again for all those who helped with that. And it, we're glad to see you. Uh, I'm glad for you to see me. <laughs> I'm glad to see you. That's a small you uh, here at the auditorium. But uh, let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we... We thank you, we praise you, we love you. We ask that you will accept our worship tonight as we praise your great, magnificent name. For your name, O God, goes beyond the name of names, beyond the greatest name that we could ever think of. So thankful, Lord God, just to hear uh, how the Jews reverenced your name. They were afraid to even say your name. Help us, Lord God, to... Use your name in a very respectful and reverent way in the proper context of life. And tonight, as we worship in your name, help us to worship properly in a manner that brings glory and honor to your name, to you. That we might serve you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and all of our soul. But we know, Lord God, amongst humans that we get out of things what we put into them. Help us to put our all into our worship and praise of your name. In Jesus' Holy name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. We ended last week, we're going to Matthew 16. We ended last week uh, speaking of God's conversations with mankind. We ended, uh, and we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 16 tonight. I want to deal with um, the last half of this lesson. Some of the more, I, all the questions in the conversations are impactful and powerful, but I want to get to the, the heart of the matter with the conversations that God has with mankind. So Matthew chapter 16, we'll begin there in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea and Philippi, he began asking the disciples, saying, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am. And so, what a great question for us to ask ourselves tonight. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And if you say, which would be correct, that He is our Lord and Savior, I would ask the question, why would we treat the Lord and Savior the way that some of us do? If He is the Lord and Savior, if that's who we say that He is, why would we ever use his name in vain? Why would we struggle with loving him back if that is actually who he is to us? Who is Jesus to you? John chapter 8, please, and verse 24. Jesus goes on to say, 
uh, in relationship to his name. I said, therefore, to you that uh, you shall die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Who do you say that Jesus is? Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 17. Jesus asks a question to the rich man that to me is profoundly difficult to answer. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's also pretty obvious. Listen to the question. Verse 17. Mark chapter 10. And he was sitting, setting out on a journey. A man ran up to him and knelt down before him, began ask, began asking him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Why do you call me good? Because it's Jesus and he did everything right. And because Jesus is good. And he asked the rich young ruler, why would you call me good? And there's no explanation from the rich young ruler about why he would call Jesus good. But if you think about it, when Jesus gives the answer and says, no man's good but God alone, that means that I have to take a step back from my my old perspective of saying there are some really good people on the earth and realize the very fact that actually Jesus says no one's good. Not even me. Have I accepted that about me? Have I humbled myself to say, you know what? It's right. We all truly need a Savior. Because none of us are good. That penetrates the heart, doesn't it? Penetrates the heart. There's an old question in Genesis chapter 4. Verse 6, God was talking to Cain. And he asks Cain a question that if the Lord had asked me the question today about life in general, maybe about my life or about the things I've been through in life or the things I'm going to go through in the future, how would I answer the question that God asks of humanity? In particular to Cain. Beginning in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. God's question, why are you angry. Why is the world so angry? But let's not think about the world. Why am I angry? I think about maybe jealousy, maybe covetous, maybe what is it that makes me so angry? Why are you angry? And in Jonah's case, Jonah please, chapter 4, in Jonah's case, Jonah had a situation of anger. Because Jonah didn't want people to be saved. And Cain was angry because maybe that God made him a till of the ground. I don't know why Cain was so angry, but Cain was extremely angry. And God said, why are you angry, Cain? Jonah chapter 4. 
But he greatly displeased Jonah, verse 1. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. And the Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? And it's amazing that people would answer God and say, or Jonah does. We talked about this a couple days ago. Jonah actually said, yeah, I've got a good reason to be angry. I don't want these folks to be saved. Do you have a good reason to be angry? Do I have a good reason to be angry? When I think about life and all the blessings and and the benefits and the glory of God, please turn to Job 38. Do I really have a reason, a godly reason, a justified reason to be angry. Why are we so angry? Good question, Lord. The book of Job answers so many questions, doesn't it? About life, about humanity, about the goodness of God, about the absence of goodness in our own lives. Though Job was a very godly, God-fearing man, yet not a perfect man. And he had some very difficult issues in his life. And the book of Job answers some of those questions. Does God care? Does God know what I'm going through? I mean, is God really there? Uh, why has God allowed this to happen to me? Do you ever wonder in your own mind, you think about these things, are you asking these kinds of questions? Are you searching for answers? And the book of Job simply gives us all the answers, which simply are, in most cases, you be a human and I'll be God. And that's it. And the question comes back, are you angry about that? (laughs) Why are you so angry? So God never answers Job, does he? I mean, he gives him some answers, but he kind of says and puts life into perspective and says, Job, remember, you are just a human. I am God. When you learn how to balance the whole universe on your own, then you can question me. Job 38, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. I didn't lay the foundations of the earth. I have no clue. No one does. Why am I angry? Why are we so angry. Look at chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord said to Job, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to thee? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer even twice, and I will add no more. I think the the point of the matter is, maybe as humans, We had to learn to put our hands over our mouths, suck it up, and serve God. Isn't that the conclusion? The conclusion when all has been said is fear God and keep His commandments. Church, we're not going to know the answer to most things of life. It's not for us to know. It's not for us to know. And there's no reason for us to be angry about things in this life, about my position in life or where I am or how I ended up or whatever it may be. All that we have to remember is this. 
fear God and keep His commandment. God takes into account the motives of the heart. Right? Not just the heart. Not just what we see. We see on one level and one dimension. God sees on all levels and all dimensions and even the depths of an individual's heart. And since we cannot see the depths of an individual's heart, nor do we understand the motives of mankind, nor can we see on multiple dimensions, we're supposed to step back and allow God to be God and we're just supposed to be humans and love each other and love God. John chapter 21. God's amazing conversations with humanity. He grabbed Peter and he starts speaking to Peter and he says to Peter, or should I say, he asks Peter the questions in verse 15. Peter, do you love me more than these? What a deep question. Listen to verse 15. When they had finished speaking, or finished breakfast, excuse me, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. You have to love Peter's honesty, right? Lord, I love you like a friend. Jesus says, do you agape on me? And Peter says, Lord, I'm just not there yet. But Peter, I need you to do something. I need you to tend my lambs. I need you to look out for the church. I need you to look out for my people. And I need you to remember something, Peter. You have to always put me first before your wife, before your child or children, before your job. Before everything, I have to be first. I don't know where Jesus is in my heart. Where is Jesus in your heart? Today, do I love Jesus like a friend, but not as much as I love my family? Or do I love Jesus more than a friend and even more than my family? For that's what God demands. That's the price of being a child of God, that God must come first. And then there's one more step to this. Peter, if you love me, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Being willing to allow God to use you as his vessel to carry out his work. Are you willing? Do you love God that much? How much do we love God? What if Jesus made this very personal and said, Tony, do you love me more than you love your family? All of your family, all of your friends, your job, and everything you have. Job did. 
Do I? Do you? Jesus says in John 14 and verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Turn to Luke chapter 12. Look at another question. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse uh, 49. So Jesus expects us to make sacrifices for him, for his name's sake, beginning, if you will, in verse 49. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and oh, how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on the earth? I tell you, no, but rather division. For from now on, five members of one, in one household will be divided three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace? Or so, what a question. In other words, when I'm put in a position to choose family over God, which decision will I make? Which decision? Like if family comes to visit, oh, I go to visit family, and Sunday comes along, Wednesday comes along, do I choose to go to Bible study and worship God? Or do I choose not to because my family won't come with me? Do I choose to forsake God and say, well, the Lord understands I'm always there, so one time won't hurt. Do I put family in front of God? Jesus says, I didn't come to unite families unless they're united in Christ. I came to divide them. You know, there are some people who are, are, you know, like a husband who comes to Christ and the wife refuses. Or a wife comes to Christ and the husband refuses. Well, praise God for that. I mean, I'm sorry for the one who refuses, but praise God for the one who comes to Christ regardless. Or children who come to Christ regardless of what their parents may feel because they learn the truth. Praise God for the one who chooses and pray for the one who does not. Jesus came as a result in our lives. He brings division. Am I willing to accept that division for the name of God? Am I willing to accept that division? Revelation 2 and Verse 7, we have been looking at Revelation. The text, Jesus says this to the church at Ephesus in this text about loving God first and losing your first love. Verse 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Am I truly listening? Do I have ears to hear? Am I listening to what Jesus has to say. Well, let's look at the next question. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. Maybe instead of conversations that God had with mankind, maybe it should be questions that God has for mankind. How do you answer this question? Matthew chapter 16. I looked at that. I'm in verse, I'm in chapter 26, excuse me. Matthew chapter 16 in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake 
shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Is there something that is hindering my relationship from the Lord? Is there something? What would I give in exchange for the Lord? Like, for example, when, when the opportunity to come, come for worship, what comes in the way? What hinders me? What will hinder me from tuning back in? What, what is it that gets in the way when it comes to Bible study? What is it that gets in the way when it, when it comes to service to God, to surrendering your life, to being used as a vessel of honor for the Lord? What comes in the way? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? I haven't found anything of you. And yet there are so many things that get in the way called life. And Jesus expects his children to set those things aside and think about who we really are. So the Bible says um, that no man is good. What does God say about our life? You know, what about my life? James chapter uh, chapter 3. What about my life? My life. What about my life? Well, what about our lives? James chapter 4, excuse me, verse 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are, listen to our lives, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. A vapor? I'm, wait, you mean I'm just a, okay, wait a second. You mean my life is just, it's just a vapor? And that's it. Here for a little while. Don't, don't, don't make your stake here. We're not going to stay here. We're just here for a little while. And then before you know it, we're gone. Look at all the people who've been gone, who have passed on before us. Look at all the people who are gone. We don't even know the number of people who at one time frequented this earth, lived on this earth from the days of Adam until today, who are just gone. Gone. And Jesus says, that's all that we are. You're just a vapor. You'll be remembered from maybe your, you know, your, your children and your, your, your spouse, your, your, your children, your grandchildren, and maybe your great-grandchildren. But after that, there ain't a whole lot of memory of you. Think about that. So what should come first in your life? Something that's going to last for eternity or something that's going to last even when we're gone for just a few years that you can count on your hands. Jesus says, by way of inspiration, that we are just a vapor that appears for a little while, and then we just vanish away. Poof, we're gone. Wow. That's amazing. Putting life into perspective. Do I feed my soul? And do I make sure that everything I strive after is for my soul's sake? Or am I just hung up and stuck in the flesh? Everything's about the flesh. Feed the flesh, feed the flesh, feed the flesh. Brother, that's the wrong attitude. As a child of God, we're to feed the soul, feed the soul, feed the soul. You take care of the inside, the outside will take care of itself. Take care of the soul, the rest will take care of itself. And then finally, I want to close with one of the most profound, I think, and important questions in Maybe in the entire Bible. But it's one of the most important questions in the entire Bible. 
And it's written for us. It's written for everyone, but in particular, we could grab it and say, wow, that applies to me. It's in Hebrews. And it's in chapter 2. And I want us to grab it. I want us to think about for just a moment that we cannot justify our decision to forsake God. Not with God. We can make ourselves feel good, but not with God. So there's this question that's asked in verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What a question. What a question. How are we going to escape? There is no escape. There is no escape. But the verse, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation after it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also bearing witness with them, both by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. How can we escape? God gave His Son. He gave more than He could give. He gave all that He could give. What else could God give? There's nothing else God could give. That's it. We have it all. And now that we have it all, we cannot escape. There is no escape. All of us are going to die and stand before God on the judgment day. There is no escape. And every child of God will give an answer to his life, to the life that we have lived. Every child of God will give an answer for everything we've thought and everything we've done on the day of judgment. And we beg God, please have Jesus stand in my place and say, this one belongs to me. But there's no escape. So, should I feed my soul? Or should I feed my flesh? I think the answer is obvious, isn't it? So God's amazing conversation with humanity are so powerful that if we don't take him to heart and think about what Jesus is saying to us, what God is saying to us, we may miss it. We may miss the entire message, and in missing the entire message, we may lose our souls. Is life all about me? Or is life all about Jesus? So Brother Jay Lee read earlier the prophetic message in the psalm. I want to get the message in Hebrews chapter 4. Has God been trying to get your attention lately? Nudging you on the shoulder? Nothing in the Bible commands us to come to Jesus when we're in the right mood. You know, when it's the right mood, you know, when it's the right time, then I'll come to Jesus. When it's more, when it's convenient, it's just not convenient right now, then I'll come to Jesus. No, the Bible commands us to come to Jesus. Today, if we're astray. Hebrews 4, in verse 7. He again fixes a certain day. Today saying, through David after so long a time, just as it has been said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
Have you heard something today, recently? Have you read something online? Has there been something that, that has nudged you just a little bit to make you think more about Jesus? And whatever it is that's nudging you, what are you willing to do about it if it's nudging you in the right direction? Have you put it aside and said, Oh, I really like this quote. I'll get to it later. Have you thought in your mind, I'll make this right with God, but I'll do it later. Now is the time. Today is the acceptable day and time. Will you please come to Jesus? If you're not a child of God, we beg that you'll surrender to Him in the waters of baptism. If you're a child of God and you're struggling in your faith, we pray that you'll make it known, that you'll make it right with God. If there's something that we can do, anything that we can do, make it known. Please contact us. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day.